In 1961, Johnny Nash finally released his final album for ABC Paramount, the label that discovered and nurtured him, but clearly had no idea what to do with their amazing vocalist. It is perhaps his most unique album for the label, as foreshadowed by its unwieldy title, Studio Time Starring Johnny Nash. In part, the title refers to a new talent that had been recently revealed, as Nash earned acclaim for his acting in the dramas Take a Giant Step in 1959 and Key Witness in 1960. In fact, the liner notes on the back of the album, written by songwriter and ABC Paramount publicity man Rick Ward, spends almost as much time listing Nash's acting resume as they do his singing. But the studio time part gives a hint to the quality of the songs on the record. From the brassy Latin opener, Besame Mucho, to the plaintive I May Never Love Again, studio time feels like a set of oddities that Nash cut with some extra time that the label had while renting the recording studio. Because of this range, studio time is a celebration of Nash's vocal dexterity. Although the rich arrangements from conductor and producer Sid Feller are pronounced on every track, they never overpower the vocals. Nash's voice remains the glue that holds together every song, whether they be ballads or laments or dance numbers. Does this veritable B-side collection serve as a good riddance to Nash's time at ABC Paramount? Or does he make us wish they would have stuck around for a few more records? Find out on this episode of So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Welcome to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank, a little concern about the movie Gross Point Blank. This week, we are continuing our deep dive into the music of Johnny Nash, who is, of course, the first person you hear on the Gross Point Blank soundtrack. My name is Joe George, and with me, as always, is your other host, Blake Collier. Blake, um, I'm, gonna, I, I'm a bad liar, so I'm just going to pull back the curtain on our process. We recorded most of our Johnny Nash stuff like a year and a half, if not even two years ago. Yep. And in that time, I've gone back and listened to Nash, but only his 70s stuff. I've yes. not gone back to any of the ABC Paramount. And so jumping in to, to, to fill this gap in our schedule after you hunted down this album, I was a little shocked at first. I'd <laughs> forgotten that this was Johnny Nash. Mm-hmm. Did you have the same experience, and was this a pleasant shock or a cold splash of water? So, knowing that we recorded most of these, like you said, a year and a half, two years ago, I was 
I was concerned. The cover <laughs> art did not make me excited to listen to this one. <laughs> and I believe, uh, I was, you know, kind of uh, another peek behind the curtain is that you and I started listening to this not too far be- before the recording of this episode. Just tell them <laughs> but, yesterday. We, yeah. we, <laughs> almost like 24 hours. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little thing called life that happens. Uh, yeah, we, I was, when I was, when I put it on my, on my iPhone to listen to, uh, during the day, I was, I was looking at the, the cover art because a cover art means a lot to me as far as, you know, the content of an album and it. That's probably unfair to some extent, but it's just the way I, I work. And so I was not excited about it and I knew I had a vague recollection of the other ABC Paramount stuff. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna get through this. I'm gonna listen to it, you know, at least three or four times and see what I can get out of it. So I started listening to it and I, I kid you not by the third, fourth song, I was like, this is really good. Like, this is like, these songs are like, like they're, they're almost, they're almost that perfect, like mixture of where he's been and where he's going to go. And, and I, I loved it. (laughs) And now, admittedly, I will say that that the the side A of the record is much stronger, in my opinion, than side B. But that's not to say that, that side B doesn't have its its uh its great songs, especially Lady in Spain, which has this beautiful like James Bond esque like opening. Yeah, yeah, like, that's oh, exactly God, what I said what in my notes. Like, is this there, a Bond song? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are moments in this album that that like this almost feels like the Gross Point Blank album. It like almost the, the, does. Like yeah. There's 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 so much uh, there's so much, I guess you could say regional flavor and like the 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 compositions and the arrangements. Um, the first song, which is Besame uh, Mucho, yeah, Besame Mucho, is is this interesting like, I guess it's it's Spanish, mm-hmm. kind of a Spanish. Uh, man, I don't know my Spanish music, so I'm not even sure what what <laughs> style of Spanish uh, music it would be. But but it's so out outside like such left field for Johnny Nash that yeah. I'm just, yeah. I was like, what is going on? Did yeah. I get the wrong record? <laughs> Did they sell the- me the wrong? record? <laughs> yeah, because you it, you you had to hunt this one down. Yeah, like this I, one, I, I actually you had, had to vinyl. buy the physical vinyl copy because it's nowhere they, they say the internet has everything it does not have this album no. and so you paid cash money to yeah, get a I, physical copy of this and then rip it to our dropbox exactly yep <laughs> yep I, I i actually so i had to buy the vinyl record and then i had to buy the transcoder to oh yeah, to my, yeah. Uh, record player in order to uh-huh. transfer it to digital so I paid money for this. We're we're, we're in the hole, Joe, as far as the uh, the cost of this. <laughs> That's right. So, listeners, if you want to send us money to, to repay Blake, you can do that. We'll take it. No, I. So, yeah, I, I was really really surprised with this album. I I, I found myself uh, enjoying every single listen through. Like I said before, there there are a few moments in the second side that that I I zone out a little bit, but little even bit, then, yeah. certain moments and even those songs bring me back into it so yeah, yeah i i was really impressed i am 100 percent with you like mm-hmm. exactly what you said from top to bottom where you know i, I popped it in and those and besame mucho opens with these really punchy horns yeah and we've talked about this that that most of his abc paramount records are slow crooning ballads um or slow spirituals yeah. and even when they open with a little bit of pep they almost always 
you know, 10 seconds in, slow back down again and the strings just layer over it. And that does not happen here. And I'm sitting there going just, my eyes are widening as the track is going on. It's just like, I can't, I can't believe this, that there is so much energy in here. And then the next two tracks, uh, it's followed up. Where's my, where's my notes here? Uh, It's followed up my, my melancholy baby, which, you know, oh, a down tempo ballad is my my only note there. Like, oh, of course we're going to do this. And then cry like the wind which is which is which is i'm just gonna i'm gonna gonna reveal that this may be my favorite song in the album yes mine too (laughs) and it's such a it's it's another slow ballad but it is so weird like i remember (laughs) I, i was sitting in my office listening to it and that song came on and I started to mentally check out be like oh i i know what this is he he it's another slow Johnny Nash ballad that's going to have too much strings on it and his yeah. voice is going to sound great but there's no energy so I get up to the, go to the kitchen with my headphones on uh, to get a snack and then I remember standing in the middle of the kitchen going wait what is this song <laughs> how would you describe this song I mean it would go well on a horror compilation yes I mean it's terrifying it's terrifying <laughs> it's, it's basically lost a woman in the middle of a, I guess a valley yeah, and like, or or a wood, or or something, and and the only like he's he's looking for, and the only thing he hears is the, is the sound of the wind. Yeah, and you're just it's, like, this is depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's legitimately spooky. Like, yeah. a lot of it is, ooh, that's yeah. the sound of the. I'm not going to try to sing like him. Yeah, yeah. But even that, like structure, it, it felt like a folk ballad, but it was structurally uh, unique, and it was. It was just interesting. And the yeah, way his it, voice melds with the instrumentation yes. on the actual wind part. Like yeah. you, you, there there's there's moments where you actually hear his voice um, like come out of the instrumentation. Yes. And you're just like, what how did they pull it off? How did they pull it <laughs> off? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's that's a that's a wonderful song. It's such a great song. That yeah, my yeah. I'm right with you. My favorite uh, song on the album, and it's really indicative of what this album is, which is yeah. to say, um, just uh, like I said in the intro, it, it feels like B-sides. It yeah. feels like this is a, a, a collection of tracks that just didn't fit the rest of the albums, because the rest of the albums, our conception of the ABC Paramount ones are conceptually, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. They're they're all alike, you know, yeah. and, and these don't fit on any of those. No. And it's kind of made for probably in 1959. This, you know, this this wouldn't make much sense, or 1961 when this one's released. But for us, this feels a lot. I think a lot more what we expect in in a proper album in an LP. Well, and it feels so, like it feels like there's you can almost feel the tension in Nash with this album. Yeah, like you, yes. you can feel that he he's tired of what he's been doing and he wants to move on to something a little bit more um experimental um maybe you try different styles and, and things like that and for sure normally i would say that this this album is basically a mess as far as tone sure but knowing that it's the end of this era it feels so refreshing <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. when it's you've you've got all these albums that are that are just like 30 minutes of sameness yeah yep like exactly a a totally like a totally problematic album feels like something astounding when it up against all these records that feel so similar uh yeah. to one another and so uh i i can't even give it crap for being totally all over the place because 
I'm just like, this, this sounds amazing. <laughs> so. that, yeah. That's one of the things I like about yeah. it. And, and, you know, our kind of grand narrative of Johnny Nash that we've been putting together is the sense that he's been kind of controlled by his first label. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think this fits with that. And yeah. I think that's part of why we're responding to the experimental, that's not the right word, but the, the, the eclectic nature yeah. of this album is that it feels like he's not being controlled as much. Well, and, and did you, and what are they going to do? Fire him? <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's done with his contract after this. Yeah. So like, yeah. <laughs> did you read the, the, the Rick Ward liner notes on the back? The little I didn't. essay? I didn't. So, it's like I said, he, he the, the the guy's a publicist. He writes songs and is a publicist, this record for um for ABC Paramount. So grain of salt with all of this, but mm-hmm. it really emphasizes uh how much Nash had control yeah. on these. You know, that these numbers are songs that he picked that are favorites of you know, favorite standards of his or from musicals. Gotcha. Um that he worked with Sid Feller and Edward Cooper, the two people who mm-hmm. did the arrangements. Um and did you catch this? The, the, the this new songwriter that appears on this album? No, I didn't. All of my life is written by Johnny Nash. Oh. That's that's the first song that he wrote. And so that just wow. lends more to this being a little bit more of a hymn album than so that the rest that, of that, that begs an interesting question for me because i i do like the song mm-hmm. i do not like the opening chorus like the, <laughs> the, 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 the choral arrangement at the beginning and throughout yeah. the song yep it bugs me but <laughs> but because of the the actual orchestral arrangement and composition yeah. it, it never like i i still think the song is brilliant yeah but yep man those little those little interstitial moments where the, the the chorus comes or the the the, cho- the choir comes in. Yeah, I'm just like it 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 doesn't fit for me, and so like and so I'm I'm wondering like was that Nash's creative choice to put that in there, or was that Sid Feller, or you know because Sid Feller's no slouch. I mean, he worked with Ray Charles. Yeah, that was he worked with Doris Day. He worked with uh, Flip Wilson. You know, a bunch yeah. of other people, and so like he's he knows what he's doing. So. Part of me wonders if I could see a world in which he Johnny Nash writes the song and wants something like that tossed in there, and because Sid Feller is like, yeah, well, give it a shot, you know. Yeah, I could see it as being, you know, just a, a naive misfire, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but the, there's there's choral arrangements in a lot of the songs, mm-hmm. and I think they're the worst parts of any yeah. of the songs. It's uh, yeah. it's too much i mean yeah. too syrupy and, and 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 i part of me wonders if you know i i don't i didn't look up sid feller's credits um so i don't know this off the top of my head but it definitely sounds uh, it, that tracks that he works with mm-hmm. ray charles you know um and there's elements of it where uh elements of this where you can feel the arrangements being similar to those on like modern sounds and country and western yeah uh but not but Ray Charles is still in control of all of that, you know, yeah. but the difference is by the time Charles is cutting that album for ABC, he's Ray Charles. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. you're yeah. not going to tell him what to do. Exactly. At this point, Johnny Nash is still pretty young. I mean, he's at the end yeah. of his contract, but he hasn't popped yet. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's been on TV. He's had some film roles that have gotten him some acclaim, but he's one of a million teen heartthrobs that are so dependent on the studio. So you can sense that Feller could put a little bit more of his 
flourishes on this mm-hmm. and, and maybe again this is all conjecture but maybe those flourishes are bad maybe he's a paul mccartney type where when he gets to do whatever he mm-hmm. wants it's garbage and yeah. he needs somebody else to kind of pull him back and make him brilliant so and yeah spo- spoiler alert he doesn't johnny nash doesn't pop until the 70s <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> which is why again we only listen to his stuff in the 70s yeah, exactly i mean but that's 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 the talent is there. Yeah. I mean, and and as we've kind of said, this this album is a real joy to listen to, mm-hmm. in part because of just, I think this is his best vocal performance on yeah. any of the, the, the uh, albums we've listened to. And it's because of his control. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, which, which track is it in particular that, oh, it's all of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where he's making some moves vocally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's never showy. It never breaks. Like the thing that he's showing you is how in control he is. Yeah. That he can go from these these minor key uh, minor notes up into something a little bit higher without breaking, without needing the pyrotechnics. You know, he's no Mariah Carey or Eddie Van yeah, Halen. For sure. He can make those movements and still be 100% in control. And it's it's a real joy to listen to. It really is. And and I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the next album, Composer's Choice, which we covered, uh, that we will cover uh, next month, Yeah, we enjoyed uh, quite a bit too. Yeah. Uh, and, yep. and, and that was the, his first album for Argo. Mm-hmm. And... And thinking back, I, I actually need to go back and listen to it. But these two albums feel similar um, in the sense that they're very much they they feel of a piece, and that they're maybe tonally not uh, consistent. But mm-hmm. there's so many ideas that you're starting mm-hmm. to see Johnny Nash actually break out of yep. of the constraints of of a, you know ABC Paramount, and you're actually starting to see him uh, find his his groove. Yeah, and so. Like even even though he doesn't pop until the seventies, that's not to say that there isn't really quality songs and albums along the way. Yeah, but he finally finds it in the seventies. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think not to spoil too much, but I would say that we like uh, the Quiet Hour, mm-hmm. but we like that in part because of our religious tradition. I don't yeah. I don't know that anybody who doesn't share that will be uh, as thrilled with that. But I would really say if you're interested in, in, in Johnny Nash, you can skip his first couple of albums, but I would listen from here on out. It, there's there's stuff to enjoy in all of it, and you get to kind of track this development of an artist. Very I mean, even sure. if ballads and, and crooner songs aren't your thing, there is enough, There there's no, no, I take that back. There's one song I don't like on this. But outside of that, there's something interesting <laughs> going on on every track, which is not true for for his first yeah. his preceding albums. And so, speaking of, well, speaking of, what is the uh, what's the one track you're not a fan of? Uh, Melancholy Baby, I yeah. would say, um, just because it has been there, done that, and I never yeah. really liked it. Um, and uh, the other one that I'm not. Uh, no, I guess I'm going over there. The rest of these, I I like the rest of them. I I was gonna say I don't, but even the slower numbers, 
which are my least favorite mm-hmm. uh, out of any of them, have a lot to recommend to them. The, the yeah. only thing that's against them is they're they drag. They're yeah. they're too long mm-hmm. and they're they're too slow. But the arrangements are really interesting. Like I'm afraid the masquerade is over has a really nice melancholy melody. You know, it's it's it comes. It's it's the the first track on side B, uh, which makes you kind of expect a little bit more of a you know get you back in statement, yeah. and it it's off putting at first how how slow it is, but gosh, it's really it's got a great melody and I'm lost for words, which is another one where you're like oh geez we're slowing way down again, but the arrangement is fantastic. Like yeah. <laughs> I I and my notes here are all just kind of my dawning realization that when. No wait, I like this one. There's, there's great. If I had any, if I had any notes for this album to like make it better, I would say you know cut those longer numbers either down by a minute or mm-hmm. or speed them up a little bit and yeah. pull back on the arrangements a little bit. Definitely no more choral yeah. stuff. Well, I you know I I think outside of outside of Nash's voice, the the stars of this album are the are, are the horns. I mean, yes. I mean it's. And then they only punctuate, like except yep. for the first track. Really, the rest of the the album, they they just punctuate parts of the songs. Absolutely, um, Lady of Spain is like I said before. It's it's James Bond esque. Um, yep, has this like blossoming like you know brass like yep. orchestra orchestral sound to it that you almost expect at the beginning of a of a Bond film. <laughs> Every time I listened to, it, I was like, how did he not get picked? For for this would have been prime Bond time right here. Yeah, and so yeah. you're just like if if anyone from you know the uh, the Bond estate had heard that song and that that arrangement, like I feel like that would have been just a you know a shoe in. But you know, I, I've been I've been going through a full Bond watch. I've never watched them all before, and this might be a hot take for some, but. James Bond's movies are not good, and I don't yeah, want no, him to be part not. of it. <laughs> there, there. I, I would say, I would say that I, I, I would give maybe four, five tops that are yes. quote unquote good. Yeah, uh, the rest of them are 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 bad to decent. <laughs> I one billion percent agree with this, and yeah. I don't know why. To, so maybe I'm a little bitter right now. Yeah, exactly. like, no, no. <laughs> Keep keep the sweet artist away from. Well, and, We're and talking about his association because of a good movie. <laughs> Let's and and normally, normally I would say the same thing. Except that you know, if you if you look back with a few exceptions on the people who've been chosen to do Bond songs, it really didn't shoot them to stardom. They were already yeah. stars at that point, or yeah, they were at true. the end of their career, or you know, you know, basically they were giving their last hurrah. Yeah, um, good point. Good and point. so, like, part of me was like, well. I mean, would it have actually affected Nash's, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, stardom? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I think true. Bond songs are just, and I'm this may be a hot take on my part, but <laughs> I, I think they're they tend to be largely novelty enough to where people love them in the moment, and then maybe later on in life they'll hear it and they'll be like, "Oh, that's a good song," but yeah. it never goes beyond that. And yeah. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it, it, but, yeah, I just don't see them as as being significant cultural factors within a musician's career. So, yeah, that's I, you're you're I'm I'm totally off getting off track now. So we'll have to save that for uh, a roulette episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so is there is there is there a world in which uh, maybe one of our uh, uh, wild card episodes we could uh, we could watch the Johnny Nash movies? 
I was thinking the same thing because I've never <laughs> seen either of those. Yeah, I'm not I familiar with them really. I've never heard of them outside of Johnny Nash's career. Yeah. So and part of me, part of me is a little hesitant because I'm not sure I want to see him act. <laughs> Everything makes it sound like he's good. Okay. Well, hey, so I'll take I, it. I'm I'm into it. I, I no, mean, yeah, I'm, absolutely. I feel I like mean, that's the to. kind of crazy crap we do, anyways, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we've if we've sat through some of these bad albums, yeah, we can <laughs> sit through these. Right. Exactly, <laughs> especially if they are, by all accounts, good. Uh, yeah, then, yeah, no, no doubt, I think no we doubt. need to do the same thing. So I need to ask you the same question: what's what's your worst track on here? What's your? I mean, we know what your favorite track is. Yeah, same as mine. What's the one that doesn't work for you? That's hard to say. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. I honestly can't say that there's one that just makes me cringe the whole time when it yeah. comes on. I, I think if my melancholy baby wasn't stuck in between all of these really solid songs, I would be yeah. less in love with it. Um, yeah. But it it actually works for me. Okay. For whatever reason, and it, it's weird that it comes right after uh, Besame Mucho, which is this really fast paced, you know, high yeah. energy song. But uh, it doesn't bother me actually, um, and and I think it kind of leads nicely into Cry Like the Wind, uh, which yeah. is my favorite, of course. It's the back half that I have a hard time figuring out. Like the back half, the side B of the album is where it gets a little bit ambiguous. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure I can always tell what song I'm on unless I'm yeah. actually looking at the track listing and, yeah. and listening while I look at it. And that's that's not to say that I don't like what I'm hearing, but it 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 makes me think that maybe there's there wasn't quite enough energy in the back half uh, to kind of break apart uh, those kind of love song slash slower ballads. And so I would say it's, it's largely in the lover come back to me, may never fall in love again range. Probably one or two of those may not be my favorite, but I can't tell you which one exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I would say on the whole, like none of it, None of it, like I said, makes me cringe. Uh, and so I wouldn't have a hard worst track, even if I knew which ones on the back end uh, were the ones that were the, the worst offenders. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's about as good as it's going to get for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place then overall mm-hmm. with you. So, yeah. Is there, is there anything else we need to say about this one? I mean, we liked it and yeah. are pleasantly surprised oh yeah very very pleasantly surprised uh especially considering where it lands on his on his uh, discography uh yeah it was not expected uh and that cover is atrocious <laughs> oh yeah oh i meant to ask you about this describe be, because nobody listening to this has a copy of this album uh yeah. <laughs> in their collection and as much as we're saying yeah go listen to it they probably won't because it no. takes some doing to get a hold it of it so they're not going to see what the what the cover is describe the cover for me so the cover is basically just a blue background with this, that's um, your typical kind of 1960s font, yellow with Johnny Nash, mm-hmm. big. And then you have Studio Time and more of a script uh, font. Mm-hmm. And then you have Johnny Nash with a typical microphone in front of him. And his eyes are closed and his mouth is partially open. And it's looking like he's singing into the mic. And that's it. Yep. That's the cover. And yep. I'm just like, <sighs> <laughs> I mean, I, I never like, I, I, I generally speaking, don't like covers that just showcase the artist singing yeah. or yeah. 
or, or performing. Like it does nothing for me. Now that's not yeah. to say that the albums aren't good. It's not to say anything about the actual content, but I do. I am a. I'm a artwork snob. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Uh, I don't go into albums with high expectations if their artwork is not at least somewhat um, thought through. And, yeah. and they, these types of art, these types of uh, covers never feel thought through. This one feels so uh, apathetic. Like mm-hmm. uh, all of his albums so far have just been his face, yeah. basically, out of the covers. And that kind of tracks, for me at least, because initially he was being sold kind of as a teen heartthrob. And he's a handsome guy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you're going to put his face on there. That makes yeah. sense to me. He doesn't even look that handsome in this no, one. Like this, this is like a Polaroid that somebody snapped while he was cutting a track. It's like, ah, stick it on there. <laughs> well, you know, the kids well, aren't into him. Whatever. Yeah, it's whoever whoever took the photo had to have taken several. <laughs> and the fact that they picked that one, yeah. you're just like, that was not the best choice. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I feel like you could actually like see part of the background from where they cut it out mm-hmm. and just lazily pasted yep. it on this but it's exactly. it's such a lazy yeah it's such a lazy uh uh front cover and like i said the the essay on the back is i i love old essays on old albums I, yeah. I i wish people would go back to that there's something i love about it being actually on the outer cover mm-hmm. too yep. you know and there's... this one is just oh go ahead there's part of me that wishes for that kind of thing too because i always love reading especially the older ones because yeah the writing was was completely different than it is now like if you so weird you would get so snobby like you if you got if you got this kind of thing happen now you would get these like you know pitchfork music snobs well on there talking about how you know this music is you know delineating between these genres yeah and this guy's more like this was the first time Johnny Nash was in control of his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. Wait, did you go through this? Uh, I'm going to offshoot here, but did you go? I, I went through a big, uh, I love Moby's essays on his albums because they were like these punky left wing oh, pseudo Christian <laughs> angry essays, you know, that showed up in animal rights and that sort of stuff. Oh, now I look back on that and say, oh, I was... I was so intolerable. This is awful. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, yeah, it's not about Moby's music. It's about his thoughts, man. Yeah. Which, which were apparently about underage Natalie Bortman. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, and if you actually have listened to most of his music in the past 10 years, it's 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 rough. <laughs> so. I, I, I like Moby's music from the past 10 years. <laughs> I'm not, I... I, I know that maybe, he's a creeper. But. Maybe maybe if Moby had just been in the last 10 years, but knowing that he was before that, <sighs> listening to his music from the first, you know, you know, first part of his career compared to now, it feels significantly worse. <laughs> Study War is a great song. Shot in the Back of the Head is a great song. And not just because there's a really cool David Lynch music video with it. Nice. I'm going to... I know he's a bad person who's done weird things, but... <laughs> Darn it. You know what? I used to have a movie shirt that I would wear before it was revealed that he was a bad person that did weird things. And I remember like in 2008, it must have been 2008, 2009, wearing it to a Kmart and the guy behind the counter at Kmart ripping on me for having a Moby shirt. So I feel like <laughs> if I can live through guy behind the counter, I'm like, you're wearing a red vest, man. What are you? Yeah, <laughs> if I can, there's a blue light special someplace. Go deal with that. 
if I can live through that, I can live through this. So you enjoy anyway, your nine dollars not... an hour. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, what kind of socialists are we? <laughs> That man deserved a living wage, even if he's. <laughs> oh. Anyway, we've gotten. I dragged us so far off. Anyway, hey, I like it. This is we, this is good podcasting, right? Here. <laughs> this is good podcast. All right, let's let's go ahead and wrap. Is there anything Sounds else we good. need to say about this one? Nope. Right. No, I think I think we've said all we all we need to say. Too much. Some might even say. Oh no, no, just enough. <laughs> I will leave that to the listener to decide. So this has been. So gross, such point, much blank. Thank you so much for listening, especially to this point in the pod. Tune in next week. Boy, if I made you mad now. <laughs> Tune in next week for Miami Blues. Spoiler alert, a movie I didn't love as much as Blake. And get mad at me again then as we go through uh, director George Armitage's career. Yeah, and that's it. So thank you again for listening. And this podcast is us breathing. Thank you for listening. If you like what we do, head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. Every bit of feedback gives us the ability to expand our audience. Our podcast theme was created by Yons, spelled Y-O-N-S. You can find his music and other projects at yonsofficial.com. Our podcast intro music was Week 9 by Ben Von Wildenhaus. Our podcast outro music was created by Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork was created by Jeff Wyrick. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SoGrossPod. That's gross with an E. And you can find Blake on Twitter at Lost in Osmosis and Joe at JAGeorgeII. Hey, 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 bing, 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 bang. Popcorn. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>